Welcome to Witness, a ministry of Covenant Presbyterian Church in Jackson, Mississippi. Join us in person for worship each Sunday at 9.30 a.m. For more information about Covenant, including discipleship and mission opportunities, visit us at www.covenantpresjackson.org. Our New Testament reading from John speaks this word, offers this instruction. Do not be like Cain. Now, I am confident that every one of you here, even those with a more contrary nature, would agree. No one should be like Cain. You, your family, your friends, your your neighbors, those you bump into, no one. Because Cain was a murderer. He committed the first murder. But it was more. Murder does not simply happen out of the blue. Murder originates in the heart. Sinful acts originate in the heart. Now, last week we read that Adam and Eve were cast out of the garden. They were judged for their sin. They were punished for their disobedience. They were shackled by the limits of time. Death was their future. Death was their end. But God blessed them with a child, the first child. And they were like any first-time parents, full of wonder, full of joy, full of hope, full of fatigue. And they named their boy Cain. Cain is from a word that means acquire, possess. Eve proudly announces her firstborn son, I have gotten, acquired, a man with the help of the Lord. And then she bore another son, Abel. The second born comes without announcement, without pride. In fact, Abel means nothingness, vapor. Already it seems that Cain is favored and Abel is in the shadows. Well, the two sons grow and become men. Cain takes up his father's vocation and works the ground. He tends the soil while Abel keeps the sheep. In the course of time, both bring an offering, both bring a gift to the Lord. This offering was a sacrifice something given up for and set apart for the Lord. In other words, this is worship. Cain and Abel bring offerings as an acknowledgement of God's worth, to praise the Lord of heaven and earth, to give thanks to the one who provides. Each brought an offering from their particular occupation. They probably brought it to an altar. Cain brought some kind of fruit of the ground, perhaps grain, and Abel brought some of his sheep, the firstborn of his flock, the the fatty portions from their organs. And then we read this, the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. Well, why? Why would the Lord accept Abel's worship and reject Cain's? Why would Abel's offering be pleasing to the Lord and not Cain's? Was an animal offering more acceptable 
than a grain offering? Well, no. The reason, in part, had to do with the quality of the offering. Abel brings his best. Abel brings his finest, his richest, most valuable. He brings the firstborn and the fat. Cain brings some of his grain. It wasn't his first fruits, not his finest, not his best, but the quality was only part of the issue. The main issue was the heart. The quality of the offering pointed to the heart of the giver. Abel brings his offering in obedience, but also in faith, in love. Abel worships in obedience, but also in faith, in love. Cain offers in obedience. Cain worships in obedience, but does he in faith, in love? Where was Cain's heart? And you too are here today to worship. You too bring an offering. You bring an offering of praise, a sacrifice of thanksgiving. You are here in obedience. Well, are you here in faith? Are you here in love? Do you bring your best? Do you bring your finest? God knows your heart. Where is your heart today? Is it focused on him? Is it full of him? Is it rejoicing in him? Does he have regard for your offering? Well, Cain's offering was rejected. And he was angry. Cain burned with anger, an anger that was birthed in jealousy. Abel's offering was accepted. So now the younger brother, the vapor, the nothing, had something, something that the favored older brother did not have, namely the Lord's favor. And Cain was jealous. Cain was envious. And here is what jealousy does. Here's what envy does. Rather than seeing a person as a person, rather than seeing them as one created in the image of God or as a neighbor, jealousy only sees something about that person, something external, a possession or a gift or a talent, something that you don't have and want. Jealousy ends up denigrating a person, diminishing a person, makes them into that one thing that you don't have and want. Well, Cain no longer saw Abel as a person created in the image of God. Cain no longer saw him as his brother. And this jealousy turned to anger, a smoldering rage within, both toward his brother and God. And after all, it was God who rejected his offering. How could God do this to him? And what was wrong with his offering? How was Abel's any better? And his anger turned to hatred. Now, these these feelings, this state of his heart, of course, was all interior. It was inside of Cain. The first visible act of his jealousy, the first visible act of his anger, his hatred, was in his face. Our passage says his face fell. Cain's eyes, his countenance, his expression betrayed his heart. And then the Lord spoke to him. Listen to part part of verse 7 again. Sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Well, God knows Cain's heart. God knows his jealousy. God knows his anger. God knows his hatred. And he offers him a warning. Sin's at the door. Sin is at the door of his heart, crouching like a wild animal, ready to spring, ready to pounce, desiring to control, to master, to dominate. 
Sin is power. Now, sin is when you disobey God, yes. But sin is also a power outside of you. Its desire is for you to control, to master, to dominate your heart so that you sin. Because sin begets sin. Sin creates more sin. Sin produces more sin. The Lord tells Cain, you must rule over it. In other words, God says, don't be dominated, dominate. Well, after this, Cain spoke to his brother. Can't help but wonder, was it a a normal conversation? Did Cain approach Abel and talk about the weather or, or the state of the crops? As he, as he spoke, did, <clears throat> did hatred burn from Cain's eyes as he tried to speak in a normal tone? Or, or, or was it a confrontation? Did this conversation get heated? Did, did anger drip off of Cain's every word to his brother? All we're told is that Cain spoke to his brother, and then he struck him down. Cain killed Abel murdered him, acting out of the hatred of his heart, acting out of the anger of his heart, acting out of the jealousy of his heart, he caused Abel's blood to spill. And as it poured out, Abel's life dissipated like a vapor. Sin had pounced and mastered him. Now, works of literature like Dostoevsky's book, Crime and Punishment, or movies or shows or podcasts that have explored the psychology of murder. Does, does the murderer feel regret, remorse, fear, sadness? Did, did Cain? And this was, after all, his brother. He grew up with him. He knew him his whole life. Well, the Lord once again speaks to Cain asks him a question, and and Cain's answer reveals the state of his mind. His answer reveals the state of his heart after this evil deed. The Lord asks, where is your brother Abel? And he knows. God knows. The one who asked this question knows. Just, Just as he knew when Adam and Eve sinned, he knows that Cain did not heed his warning. He knows that Cain has sinned. He knows that Cain has murdered. Abel's blood cried out to God from the ground. But through this question, God offers Cain a chance to confess. He offers Cain a chance to repent, to ask for mercy. But instead, Cain answers in this manner. I don't know. Where's your brother Abel? I don't know. He tells him a lie. A bold lie. Before the very face of the almighty, infinite creator of heaven and earth, Cain lies. I don't know. And then he shows indifference to God's question. He asked the Lord, am I my brother's keeper? In other words, am I supposed to keep the keeper of sheep? Am I supposed to shepherd the shepherd? I don't know. Again, Sin begets sin. Sin creates more sin. It crouches at the door. Cain could not rule over it. And neither can you. Then God punishes Cain. God renders judgment upon Cain 
for his sin. He's now cursed from the ground. The soil that he tended and kept, the ground that produced fruit by the sweat of his brow, the ground that he poured out his brother's blood upon would no longer yield to him, produce for him. Cain would now wander the earth, a fugitive, alienated from God, alienated from his family, alienated from his occupation, rejected, anchorless, homeless. Cain would wander. Now, upon hearing his sentence pronounced, Cain cries out, not in repentance. He doesn't cry out in repentance, but Cain cries out in anguish. He cries out in fear. He cries out in dread. He tells the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Well, besides alienation and isolation and rejection, Cain is fearful of death. He's fearful that in his wandering, someone might kill him. This murderer is now afraid of being murdered. He's he's afraid of the very sin he just committed. And here's the remarkable thing. The Lord has mercy on Cain. God promises to protect Cain. He, he, He places a mark upon Cain, some sort of visible sign to show that he belonged to the Lord. Well, after receiving this mark, Cain left the presence of the Lord. He left fellowship with the Lord, communion with the Lord, and he wanders. He wanders a fugitive. Until, our passage tells us, he he settled east of Eden. He settled in the land of Nod. Nod means wandering. So this wanderer settles in the land of wandering. Do not be like Cain. Are you wandering? Do you feel anchorless, homeless? Do you you sometimes feel like an outsider? Do you feel alienated? Do you feel rejected? Do you live in fear? Do not be like Cain? Have you been jealous? Have you been angry? Have you hated? Well, listen again to verse 15 from our New Testament reading from 1 John. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. Again, murder is a matter of the heart. Do not be like Cain. A sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is to master you, to dominate you. Cain could not rule over it, and neither can you. But here's the amazing thing. Like Cain, God does not leave you there. God has mercy on you. And he does so through another firstborn son. The firstborn son of Mary who was announced proudly by angels. Jesus, the Son of God. He he became what you are, flesh and blood. He, He entered creation. He entered the land of Nod, the land of wandering. And he came to seek you out in your wandering, to find you, 
to bring you home, to bring you to your Father, your Heavenly Father, to restore you to community, to live in His presence, to live in fellowship with Him, to live in communion with Him now and forever. Sin crouched at his door, but Jesus never opened the door. He mastered sin, dominated sin, crushed it through his death, his crucifixion. He was a sacrifice, an offering, a perfect sacrifice, a pleasing offering for you, for your sin. Through him, through faith in him, your sins are forgiven. That includes your jealousy. It includes your anger. It includes your hate, the murder in your heart. God no longer counts them against you through Jesus. Through Jesus, the power of sin is broken. It still crouches at your door, yes, but it can never master you. It can never dominate you because Jesus is your Lord. And he gives you a mark. And he gives your children a mark. A sign that you belong to him. A sign that they belong to him. Baptism. And when you belong to the Lord of heaven and earth, when you carry this mark upon you, you need not fear. Not even death. But this is, this is, this is gospel. This is good news. Receive it. Believe it. And bring your offering. Bring your offering of praise. Bring your sacrifice of thanksgiving. Bring it in obedience. Bring it in faith. Bring it in love for your Savior who found you in you wandering, who dominated sin, who marked you in baptism. Through Jesus, the firstborn, the firstfruits, the sacrifice, God always has regard for you. Always has regard for your offering. He is pleased. Thank you for tuning in to Witness, a ministry of Covenant Presbyterian Church in Jackson, Mississippi. 